0: Hey everybody, it's Heather Jones from Right at the Fork. We're gonna do something a little bit different for today's show. We thought that since we have a nice stable of interviews after a year of recording, that we would go back and revisit some of them from time to time. We're gonna do that today with Sarah Hart from Alma Chocolates. Definitely one of my favorite and one of Chris's favorite interviews, just because she's a a lovely person and was open and honest and, and thoughtful in this interview and really embodies what we're all about here at the show. This was recorded in February of 2014, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, we hope you will do so now and enjoy it. So here's Sarah Hart from Alma Chocolate.
1: Okay, hello, this is Chris Angelus, and you're on Right at the Fork. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, AHA, SoundCloud, and also uh, TuneIn. And um, we're into our second month, and it's been a really interesting experience. And as we come on to our second month, we have... Valentine's Day coming up, which got us thinking about sweet things. And so that led us to uh, Sarah Hart of Alma Chocolate. And um, Sarah has one of the most interesting businesses in town. Not only does she have a beautiful store, but she's at the farmer's market uh, on Saturdays, and she's been there since the inception of Alma Chocolate. And so... um, I met her a few years ago at one of my events and had just a fantastic time. I, the conversation was lively, and I had never met her before. And we've gotten together a few times since. And, um, and also, I've we're friends on Facebook. And with some people, you get to know them very well. And I've really enjoyed her. And I think you will uh, enjoy this 35, 40 minutes that we're going to spend with Sarah.
2: Hi there.
1: Five minutes, no C. Is it? Yeah, well, it's blocking half of my face. No, my chin. I finally found the answer for my chin.
2: Mike, we have a microphone. Yeah, a microphone. I'm going to carry a
1: microphone with me everywhere I go. You look great with the mic in front of you. Ow. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for coming.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good.
1: I know you had a little hectic couple of days. I don't know what it was. Uh, you don't have to share it, but you've had, you know, your life to me. We have a, we met, really nice meeting. I I enjoy you. I think you're great. I um. I also am a Facebook friend of yours, so I get to see little snippets of your life the edited version the edited version <laughs> and you know you've had you've had a lot going on lately as yeah. a matter of fact you got expanded store yep you have uh some space you're doing events you have a new logo which is yep. really saying you know fresh new things yeah you got things going on in your life uh how you feeling you got a big smile on your face you got a lot going on how is it
2: Well, I'm really glad it's 2014 because 2013 was the year of doing all that shakeup. You know, Mm. I essentially had a working model in a little shop. We made everything on site and it worked and it was making money and it was doing all the things it could be, but it wasn't making enough that I could live on it. You know what I mean? And I am getting too old for it to be a hobby and work full time, you know? So uh, we decided to do an expansion. Um, Part of the problem that was limiting our business was just capacity. We couldn't make any more chocolate in the physical space we were in. Even if we could make more, we didn't have any place to put it when it was done. We didn't have places for boxes to put it in. That's a good problem You know all of that stuff. No, it's a great problem. So we decided to expand and uh, so we did. We built a big production kitchen. I got a screaming deal on it because it was in the basement of a building that was being redone by the my landlords were my former upstairs neighbors and above the shop they had their offices there Mm -hmm. and so we you know got this amazing space but of course um like all expansion projects and construction projects it was really delayed so it um threw our whole business model off because we had a Expected to be in there uh, like a year ago, September. We didn't get in there until a year ago, January. So we didn't have the, you know, so we were, 2013 was a year of just like, hold on, hold on. Let's catch up. Um, a lot of good things happen, a lot of change. But I feel like just now we're catching our breath and it's, I'm really seeing that, okay. I didn't just commit business suicide doing this. It's going to work. We're getting momentum. That new logo has been amazing for us. I love
1: it. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Which, by the way, you can see it, com. Yes, yes.
2: Yeah, I um, one of the things that I didn't realize about it is it's so um, – I just liked it, and I often respond to things very intuitively. I'm not a designer, so I don't know why I liked it, you know. But one of the things that's been a great advantage of it is that graphically, like – we were, um, some of our bars for some reason were on a something on the Today Show and there was a whole spread of a lot of bars and you could see that red Alma logo popping from all of the other bars you could read it. So that's been really nice for us and it's amazing how just something, like our product is the same, it's amazing inside, but I don't feel like graphically that was represented. And now that it is, we're suddenly have all these people interested in. Well, you our know, it's stuff. funny
1: how it works. As much heart and soul as you could put into the product, and you do, and other people do. You know, sometimes I've walked into cacao before to get gift packages to send friends. And they're expensive chocolates and they're not and you're going by the look of the package. What feels best. It's not you know, that's really what the, a lot of purchases, purchase decisions are made from, or the, is the package. Yeah, it's amazing. So, and has that made a big difference in sales to you? I mean, I, I would think in the store not so much, but you, when you you're at other retailers, it's. Yeah,
2: probably- in our own space, no, except for that. I don't, you know, I mean, we just have, we used to kind of carry some other lines and our own business has expanded now that our retail store is just our stuff. And so that's, you know, an uptick in that way. But um, in terms of wholesale business, yes, it's made a huge difference because I feel like um, you can, it matches now. The outside matches the inside and it sells our story. You know, you have to tell that story in a second. Like you said, you know, you walk in and there's a million bars. You have to say who you are in that intuitive way like I responded to it you got to get that response out of people so that they want to buy they don't know why but they're like I want that pretty thing you know and then with us I feel like I feel like there's some people that have beautiful packaging and then you eat it and you're like eh.
1: yeah I well, feel like
2: ours you open it up and it's delivers on that outside promise so that's I'm really proud of that
1: well I found that every time I've had one of your chocolates I it Feels like you. Well, I don't know if that how that sounds, but um, you come through, and you you had this idea. Let's go back a little bit. So yeah. you started this basically when I moved to Portland, which was 2005, right? Or even before that, you had the you had that moment where you you went towards chocolate. We'll we'll call it you know yeah. the fork in the road, and you took a right. Yeah. But, um, what was that? That had to do with Easter bunnies, correct? It kind of did.
2: Yeah. Well. Yeah, so it was like almost more than 10 years ago, which is kind of scary, that that started percolating. You know, it came into fruition a little bit after that. But, yeah, it was Easter. I was getting stuff for my son's Easter basket. And I was just like, I got this bunny off the shelf and it had those sugar eyes and they weren't stuck on quite right. They were (laughs) like looking different directions and, you know, and and the chocolate was terrible. And I was like, you know, I've liked really good chocolate for a long time, but I was like, this is this is terrible. Like there should be there could be so much more done with chocolate, especially in a visual way. And I, I don't know why, again, like there are probably things that I could name that kicked off that process, but for me it was very intuitive. And suddenly this idea came. It felt like to me full blown. I wrote it down on a piece of paper and then it started with what I call the icons, which is our line of um they're like well, they started it started with sort of more Mexican Catholic iconography. Virgin of Guadalupe, Sacred Hearts, things like that. Um, And it just made sense to me that those things with chocolate and its sort of cultural history, um, it was used as currency, you know, and, and it's also when people talk about chocolate, they use the language of sin and redemption. You know what I mean? They're like, it was divine or I was so bad or, you know, it's got sexual overtones it's got like all this stuff in there it's so juicy chocolate you know what it means to people and how it makes people feel and i just felt like the icons captured that intensity and um so that's where i started
1: so you went from crappy easter bunnies to these incredible tasting intricate gold leafed
2: works of art
1: works of art that you eat yeah and by the way i sent one to my one of my dearest friends who's a a devout atheist, <laughs> and it was one of the best gifts I ever sent her. She, she oh, just I'm loved so it. She, I don't think she's eaten it yet. I think she just enjoys. Well, how that, long will it last? How long can it last? Well, cho- uh,
2: I mean, it isn't ever going to go bad, but it'll get chalky and weird. And, right. you know, my mom has every one I've ever made, like from the beginning. You know, I've sent her the prototypes and, and they're, you know, crumbly, dry and horrible now, but they still wouldn't hurt you to eat it. It wouldn't be such a pleasant experience. So, but
1: let's go back a little bit. What were you doing before you had the chocolate Easter bunny? What were.
2: Well, originally, were, were, I mean, I have a graduate degree in English and I was a writing teacher. And um, then when I had my um, second child, I was uh, working in restaurants so that I could mostly be home with him in the day and, you know, pick up a few shifts at night. And um, uh, I loved working with food. And I didn't. You know, I was raised in a family that uh, everybody does some sort of social service, lots of ministers, teachers, et cetera. And, Midwest? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, southern Missouri. Um, and I never yeah. felt like food was a legitimate career, you know? And I just—so I always felt like I'm just doing this to buy time. And then I—you know, so I left the restaurant world for a little bit and was um, doing grant writing. And but um, I just kept getting tugged back in, and I would—there was a— um, Michael, Naomi, and Michael had had the ripe uh, catering business, and I, you know, it was when it was still in their house, so I would pick up some shifts with them, and um, you know, oh, that must
1: have been fun. Tell me about those.
2: Oh, that was so crazy. That was back when they, you know, admission to dinner you could either like pay or you could bring a chair. Yeah, no, that's yeah. The, that's
1: what everybody says. Is there was the what started this whole Portlandia food scene came from that and you were there
2: yeah 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 yeah
1: how how fortunate is that that's very cool. I yeah. wish I could do that right back there I mean I go to beast and expatriate I love I love what she does to have been there when she was just starting to develop it and she was just that would have been cool
2: and she was every bit of amazing then you know it was just scrappy but um I remember the first time I tasted her food and I think it was like Beats or something, and I didn't even think I liked Beats, and they were so simple and so good, you know, it just, anyway, yeah, so I picked up shifts there, and one day I just went, maybe saving the world is doing what you love, like, maybe if you're, like, happy and generating creatively and all of that, like, maybe you don't, that's okay. Like, I left myself off the hook to do that.
1: At that point in time. So... That you were working there when you had the chocolate bunny, or no, no, that was so you what, just had a ha- you'd had a taste of it.
2: Yeah, where? Yeah, right. So I was doing that. I was working as a grant writer for a nonprofit, and um, I, you know it just I was it was sort of all. I, now it's kind of so feels so long ago. I don't remember exactly it, what isn't I was it doing.
1: Amazing how sh- ten, 10 years ago, I know it went so fast, but yet. It seems like it was
2: a while ago. But yeah, whatever it was, my daughter was turning 18. I was turning 40, you know, and I was sort of like this idea came and I was like, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? You know, so I just started kind of pulling the string at that point.
1: So you kind of started uh, the way a lot of people do at the Portland Farmers Market, and you're still there. Yep. As well. Yeah. So you've probably seen a lot of people like you Come and go from there, and stay in—you and, know—in ten years or eight years, I guess. Yeah, is how it's been.
2: yeah, I've been at eight years at the market, yeah, which is incredible. No, that's so good. It's so, and it's just to see the market also evolve professionally. Do you know what I mean? Like the market was a little scrappier then. It's now. I mean, it's what is it? Almost like the Saturday version of it is almost twice the footprint it used to be down there at PSU. And um, they have many more, mar- you know, it's just the it's grown. and I think the Portland farmers market is huge in terms of what happened with the Portland food scene. So I think that goes hand in hand as the food scene here has grown. That market has grown. And anyway,
1: I think a lot of people cite the Portland farmers market as the heart of everything. Yeah. And so so when you're down there now, you're there to sell, of course. But does it do something for you? Uh, Spiritually to go down and experience that on a Saturday?
2: Oh absolutely. And I so, you know, after having done it for so many years, I get bummed out on a Saturday morning <laughs> to have to get up at six, you know, like I'm Friday night I'm like I don't whiny, <gazingly> whiny, whiny. Then it's Saturday morning I get there every time I'm there, I have a blast because you do like there's the community of people that are there that you've been a that have been coming to your booth from the get go. And then the other vendors, you know, that you have relationships with. And I always have such a good time in that way. And um, also, (laughs) it's super funny because I'm kind of a crowd phobe. So being in a booth at the farmer's market is amazing because you get to experience it, but you're a little protected. And I like that. Well, but you're not there. Are you there every Saturday? No, I've made my daughter go for the. Yeah, past I was going to say. Now you've got your
1: daughter in the business. <laughs> yeah. And she's, she's really involved. I mean, I get emails from her about your events and. Yeah,
2: she's our. She's like, running
1: the show over there. Yeah,
2: she is. She's our events and um, marketing person. She's yeah. She's full time, doing it. Um, she's going to San Francisco for us in you know a couple days and no, it's amazing and, uh, you know, my son is not quite there yet but he grew up like going to the market and you know I can see that that's a next step for him like being the booth kid and oh, so
1: that what, that, he, you know. what does he want to, how old is he
2: he's 17
1: and so what does he want to do does he has he wants to be a drama into? teacher a draw. well then he should just get married <laughs> 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 he'll learn really he'll learn and be able to teach from there <laughs> So, do you think both of your kids will be in the business? With I have you? no idea, and do you think that's a good idea how How is it with your daughter?
2: It's amazing with her. I think um I think it can be a good idea and a bad idea, really, really, depending on the people in the relationship. And she and I, you know she left she's left home for eight years. You know, she went away to college and then she went to India and then she went to New York and worked in New York for you know, she was there for five years so. So I guess it's been like almost 10 years that she's been gone. Anyway, so we had a clean break in terms of her growing up and becoming her own separate identity person, you know, before she came back to work for me. And I think that worked really well. There was a transitional time when she came back that we had to figure out how to work with each other. But our strengths are so complementary and we get each other so well. I've learned so much from working with her uh you know, you'd think it might be the other way around, but I've just learned so much
1: about her or about business. Or-
2: about business and about um, some of m- my strengths and weaknesses. You know, she she pointed out to me because again, like um, I'm super intuitive and really friendly, but at a I at a certain point um, I get overloaded with information and I'm still taking it in, but I get super quiet and I stop talking. And I never knew that I did that. And she pointed that out, like that in business meetings, she's like, I know you're still listening, but it seems like you've checked out. So you probably need to inform people like, okay, I've hit the point where I can't take any more information in and I'm processing it and I'm going to get back to you because it seems like you just don't care anymore. So things like that, like that because she knows me so well, she's able to give me that kind of feedback and I'm not offended by it because it's useful. So. I don't know if that's sort of a long-winded answer, but it's been really good.
1: No, because my feeling is I've worked with my father, and that was not good. That was not a great experience. And I don't know if I'd want to work with family. I think it's too—it depends on family. Yeah,
2: I don't know if I—I I used to—when I was teaching, I used to have a dream that my dad was sitting in the back of the classroom and raising his hand and asking, you know, questions, and I'd be like, you, this is my class, you need to be quiet. So, <laughs> you know, I do think it depends on the relationship. So your
1: father was a minister? He was, yeah. And um, so that's a part of your upbringing. You also, um, you know, you said your daughter went off to India. You spent some time with Cesar Chavez. I did. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, so I went to college for two years at a little liberal arts college in Wisconsin called Beloit College. And um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And two years in, I was felt like I was spinning my wheels and lost and... Um, And I wanted to do something else. And I don't know, I think because of actually because of my dad and um, he's a Presbyterian minister and very liberal. He was very involved in the civil rights movement. We lived in Cleveland, Ohio, when Kent State happened, for example. And um, our church was used as a classroom for a while when that campus was shut down. And um, when like the lettuce boycotts and grape boycotts and stuff were happening in the 70s, my dad was very involved in supporting that. So that was in the back of my head. And those people were people he revered, you know, uh, those civil rights leaders and those movements were important to him. And so that was part of the ethos of my family. So um, I think I was looking through some sort of I wanted to go someplace else. And my, I think I wanted to go to India. And my parents said, no, we're not sending uh Nineteen-year-old girl to India, you can't go. And I was like, because uh-uh, my brother had gotten to go. That's a whole other story.
1: Were you looking? No, you were too young for Woodstock. I remember my brother <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nagging my parents about Woodstock, to to and that didn't happen. So. so
2: I had something from the United Presbyterian Church had a booklet of volunteer opportunities, you know, volunteer and mission sort of things. And I was like, well, it'll be acceptable if it's church-related. I really just wanted to get away and do something interesting. I would like to say there was you know, deeper motivations than that, but, um, and I remember, you know, Cesar Chavez from my childhood and reading about him. And so that was one of the opportunities was to go work with, um, I think it was called the migrant ministry or something like that. And um, yeah, so I signed up, got accepted, got on a plane to LA, (laughs) 20 years old, little fresh face thing from the Midwest and landed in LA. They were supposed to pick me up. Nobody was there. I called, they were having, the union headquarters was in Bakersfield, California, so um, they were like, oh, we're having our huge political convention, there's nobody available to pick you up, and I was like, Okay, and some truck driver heard me on the phone, like having this conversation, and he was like, "Honey, get in the truck. I'll take you to Bakersfield." So, you know, that was my. inch. I just got in those
1: days. You'd get in the truck and a truck with anybody.
2: (laughs) Right. I know. Now, (laughs) when I think about it, some of the things you know, honey,
1: to boot, and you still got in.
2: (laughs) I know, and I didn't tell my parents that I was getting Bakersfield that way. Well, you
1: couldn't. You how are you going to tell them? There was no. There was no cell phones.
2: Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I went and did that, and. um, it blew my mind. You know, I'd gone from, uh,
1: what year was that? I'm trying to do the math and I'm not really.
2: 1984.
1: Okay. Cause I'd been in LA then. So I'm trying to put the,
2: the, the per, Yeah. So I went, you know, my first day there was in this political convention going on. They didn't know what to do with me. They were like, go work in the kitchen. And, uh, everybody was speaking Spanish and they were making menudo, which I had never seen before. I walked in the kitchen. I was a vegetarian. Then of course I say, of course, but you know, 20 year old, Girl, politically, whatever. Um, And there was this huge piece of tripe laid out on the table. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm not in Kansas anymore. And you're
1: not yet in Portland.
2: No, I was not yet in Portland. So, yeah, I mean, I helped them not at all. And that experience really probably laid huge foundation for me for the rest of my life. Because what it did was it undid everything I believed. I left there, like, kind of completely taken apart. Like, I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I, like, every experience I'd ever had had been blown out of the water. And I had to rebuild from there. And that was so good. And,
1: And how did you build on that, coming out of that?
2: Well, that's a really good question. I think I learned to really trust my gut at that point to really, like, not take things at face value. I think that taught me um, in a really deep way sort of cultural relativism, you know. Like, I really started to learn to think from multiple positions at the same time. Um, I think it changed. Yeah, just how I thought about the world really got changed. And there was sort of a—I think it led later to, you know, the work that I'm doing now even with chocolate— I try to be super aware of the sourcing and um, where chocolate comes from. I think it it was an early awareness of the politics of food. Um, I remember having the experience even of, uh, I feel like it taught me gratitude. I had the experience of going back to visit my parents for Christmas while I was working for the farm workers. And, you know, by then I'd seen just realities, people living in cars, no food, you know, whatever. I went back home and, you know, we had a really nice house in Southern Missouri. And I, I remember opening the pantry doors to get a snack and just sitting on the floor and sobbing, you know, just at like having the realization of like all that I had. I also had that realization um, of working with the farm workers that um, while I was there to help and had the best intentions, I could leave and that awareness of what that kind of privilege means and what your responsibility is about that. And, um, you know, how complicated all of those things are, you know, if I didn't like it at the farm workers, I knew I could go home and there was a pantry full of food and that was always going to be available to me. And um, even when, you know, later I, you know, was a single mom and, you know, whatever, just even that awareness. um, I was on food stamps for a while. And I remember being at the food stamps office and just knowing, like, looking at, I've gotten so political we're not talking about chocolate anymore. Anyway, um, I just remember looking at the other women that were also there and thinking, we're exactly the same. I just don't think I'm going to stay here. So my mental attitude about my life, do you know what I mean? Like, and that was so much just cultural upbringing, right? Like what I believed about my life. I wasn't smarter than them. At that point, I wasn't economically more advanced. You know what I mean? I just...
1: Well, it expanded your horizons a lot you were in southern Missouri and you know how much can you see there
2: right from there and it's a consciousness yeah yeah
1: and it sounds like you know from what I know of you you're always thinking about the every nuance of a question of a situation and actually that brings me to something I wanted to mention to you because <laughs> I saw you you posted uh, a very emphatic Comment on the movie Her. Yes. The other day, must see. It was, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, blew your mind. That's it what did. it was. With periods between every word. It did. So I went to see it, and I have, I really enjoyed it, and I thank you for driving me there because without that Facebook post, I would not have gone to see it. So why did it blow your mind?
2: Well, probably from the, some of the same things that we were just talking about, like. um, I'm thinking especially about that scene where she, you know, the voice is, um, (laughs) Joaquin Phoenix is sitting on the stairs and he's like, how many other OS, you know, how many more people are you talking to? And she's like, oh, 8,000. And he's like, "And And how how many many of them are you in love with? And she's like, 600, you know. And he's like, oh, you know, freaking out because he wants to be the only one. And she's like, no, like. The box just gets bigger the more you love. Like, And I just, I feel like that was my experience with that I was trying to articulate earlier about sort of having been taken apart by the, the farm workers. And I think there's two responses to something like that. You can be devastated and closed down because what you've witnessed is so overwhelming, or you can just be like broken open by it. And I guess I resonated with that, that she was like expanding and expanding. So it
1: was really the story that the 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 storyline it wasn't necessarily the technology it wasn't you know i i don't know your dating experience it wasn't you know that you could have a and these are some spoilers but <laughs> it wasn't that you could have a relationship with an operating system which i found absolutely fascinating but
2: yes i thought that was fascinating too it was
1: fascinating but i've kind of experienced that in a different way where you're not you don't have that hands-on experience with someone but you have feelings yeah. And so that to me was it expanded my thinking drastically about that or it just made it validated some of the things I've thought about before. But for you, it was that story and you know, how, how much love you can have in your life and and realizations that people have in relationships. Yeah. Um,
2: well, I just loved so much of what it had to say about consciousness and what is I mean, one of my earlier favorite movies when in my 20s was Blade Runner. And I felt like it raised similar questions, you know, the replicant and Blade Runner. And the whole question is, what is humanity? You know, she believes she's human, you know. So anyway, I just. Yeah, I think way too much. I you, love the and big you questions. posted on
1: Facebook. I man. You pu- you'll put the questions out there uh, really kind of deep thinking questions. What do you think about this? And you get a lot of responses. You have a pretty big following on that.
2: Yeah. Well, I like to see what people think about stuff. I'm also beautiful, totally too, goofy. Because it's
1: so obvious you're not doing it for business. There's no Alma chocolate in what you post on Sarah Hart's Facebook page. There's nothing. It's it's really about you as a person. That's yeah, it. I guess so. Yeah. mm. Well. And it's really cool. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I won't ask you about books because you'll just run circles around me. <laughs> I'll be sitting here with question marks coming out of my head. But I will ask you about chocolate. That's we good. haven't yeah. talked much about chocolate. <laughs> what is your <laughs> what is your absolute joy in what you do about at Alma Chocolate?
2: I am the very happiest when... Um I'm like working on some sort of flavor combination. Like I, especially, I'm a, you know, I could never write a paper until it was due the next day. You know what I mean? Like I like a certain amount of pressure. And so I love some sort of uh, creative challenge. And um, for example, when one of our big biggest sellers is this Thai peanut butter cup. And I had, um, Without having made it, (laughs) I entered a contest, you know, uh, some sort of food contest um, describing my idea, you know, and so then I had to ship it out, you know, like that was probably three months before and then I had to ship it out like one day and I still hadn't made it, you know, and so in the 24 hours before it happened, that focus that came together from this sort of uh, intellectual and, you know, just my brain putting together how these flavors flavors would take to just have to get that focused and come up with something. I love that. I love that so much.
1: What's that process? Is that it, well, there was a specific instance where you had a deadline to meet because yeah. you had that. But in the store, do you have, um, you know, do you change it up? You say it's October. We need to change it up. Uh, And then from there, when you make those decisions, what's the process that you go through for just a new flavor?
2: Well, seasonal is a really good way. Like, I'll probably start by thinking about what is available a certain time of year. And um, that's very pragmatic. You know, in the fall, there are figs. And also in the fall, I feel moodier. You know, like in the summer, I want lighter flavors. In the fall, I start to get more introspective and I want flavors that touch that spot. And so, you know, none of it, I don't think is happening on a super conscious level. I've got like just these like feelers out and then I start to think about it. And um, I think it's probably like any creative process. Um, If you're a painter, you've got colors in your brain and I've got flavors in my brain. So I'm thinking, at some deep level about you know if i do this well i like f- like the fig marzipan one that we do um one of my one of the people that worked for me was like why don't we do marzipan and i was like cuz i hate marzipan it's gross it's so sweet and um and she was like well there is some good marzipan and so you know we looked into not very sweet marzipan but it's still sweeter than my palate is so then i'm thinking well, how do I counteract the sweetness of the marzipan? Uh, figs are kind of dense and rich, and you know, dark chocolate. So that you know, and then I start like in my head thinking, like I've got this thing. How do I counterbalance it? Or there's maybe a chocolate like. Is it a, all?
1: Is it all you, by the way, or is it a? Do you have a team of people? Who are I've got a with- people
2: that work for me now that do that come up with stuff too. I do most of the flavor development, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But there are um, like uh, Sabrina and Ruth. Um, Ruth does all the baking at the shop, and they've come up with so many of the drinks that we do at the shop. Um, and Ruth has come up with all of the baked stuff. I have nothing to do with the bakery stuff. That's all her.
1: And it's all her. And it's is it coming from a place where Sarah will like this, or is it customer based? How do you? How much of your? How much of your flavor development is? is using research from before on what customers like and how much of it is just, I think I would like this, therefore others will.
2: It's mostly that. We're trying to get a little smarter about it now. Um, But mostly the market will tell you pretty fast if you're right or not, you know, because it won't sell. So there's things that I've loved that just didn't go. And um, that's been true with the baked stuff. I don't think that Ruth has ever thought, will Sarah, like it. I think she's working to her palate and her, you know, but she's she gets the Alma thing, which is, you know, not too sweet, chocolate based, you know, kind of the best version of whatever it is. Then we're going to make that, you know, so she's working from there. And um, again, I mean, it's just if it doesn't sell, it doesn't stay.
1: And so, um, if it's not staying, you don't keep anything around that you like. So that when people come in and say, "What should I have?" you don't. Those aren't the things that you say. Just try that.
2: Oh well, there are some of those things. There are like um, in the Christmas time, like they're too labor intensive to do all the time. But we do these blue cheese stuffed figs that we dip in dark chocolate and put on a candied walnut, and those are impossible because they they take a long time to make, and then they have zero shelf life, you know, so they're not practical, but they're so good, you know, so we do do a few things like that.
1: So what what would you tell someone? Because what you do, obviously, there are probably a lot of people out there that say, oh, I love chocolate, and wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Are there things that you would tell them that would say, you know, it's not that fun? Uh, (laughs) I mean, are there things that you might caution someone who wanted to start a chocolate business? Or are there some things that you would say, this is why you should do it?
2: Well, both. In another town. Yeah, another. <laughs> in Fort Wayne. Um, gosh. Like anything in life, if I'd known what I was getting into, I would have been way too intimidated to ever do it because um, the business of business, I don't like it. I, you know, love making chocolate, but the management of people, the Management of payroll, the management of money, insurance, blah, blah, blah. It's just endless, that stuff. And, you know, quite frankly, I spend a lot of my time on that now.
1: And what percentage? 80. So 80% of your business life sucks, according to you.
2: Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be that honest, but, you know. And so you're
1: living for the 20.
2: Well, yeah, and trying to now, we're in that spot. And the money. Yeah, we're, where I feel like. The goal is to hold on doing that till we can get it to the place where then I can be have somebody else doing that stuff that I don't like to do. And I can be doing what I love to do and what I'm good at. I'm not good at that other stuff, quite frankly. And I've had the realization and I'm getting some serious help with the business stuff because I kind of realized, like, I'm so not good at it. If I don't get some help, we won't stay alive. Well, the larger
1: you you get, the more the more pressing that need is. Yeah. Because you can't...
2: You can't control everything. You can't...
1: And especially if it's something you don't like doing and you're not great at it. Right. So then 2014 is the year that, okay, we're settled. We've yeah. got this new stuff going on. And now work on some of those things to free you up to do...
2: Right. Now we're just really nailing down all the operation. You know what I mean? So that everything that... You know, there's certain things that are just our bread and butter. So those are just getting tightened down and tightened down and tightened, you know, so that they're just... Go. You know, they are streamlined, and and the more streamlined stuff gets, then the f- more room that frees up in the business to do the fun stuff.
1: So, um, so 2013 was the year of getting it all together five years from now and ten years from now. Do you have that plan, or are you kind of living, okay, we've got 2014 under the way, let's get to 2015, or are you really looking towards 2020, and do you have a vision for that?
2: That's a really good question. I'm working on that vision. Um, I thought I had a vision for that, and um, and now I'm getting some clarity around it after I've been in the space and I'm seeing what hap- what's happened. But, yeah, what what we're really working to do, and, again, it's towards that goal of um, providing support, keeping the integrity of the business alive, and freeing some, um, some of my creative time up. So we're working on our wholesale line and really nailing down some of the things that... Um, can sell in a larger scale that have good shelf life that are easy to make in bigger quantities without losing the quality of the product. So we're really working hard on that line and getting that all of that just as nailed down as we possibly can so that we can have those things that support the business as a whole and allow, you know, for some of the other creativity. So, you know, my goal is to have that line of stuff that goes bigger and then to have the um, shop be sort of the creative hub so you can have an experience of alma in that bigger way and then at the shop you can really have the experience of what's happening on the creative edge of alma
1: do you see any more than one shop
2: not at this point no i think we really have to expand that wholesale part of the business and then maybe we will look at that other shops later
1: so as you grow more support i know actually of a Great redhead who does some incredible publicity. I <laughs> might be able to help you with that. Her <laughs> 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 I'm not, I'm not going to interfere. Oh, well, anyway, we're throwing <laughs> a little Heather on this, but <laughs> she's great at what she does, and it's right up her alley. Um, uh, so uh, we need to talk a little bit about Portland. Yeah. Let's get outside the shop. Where have you been lately that's, uh, that's exciting you?
2: Where have I been? That's exciting me. Well, expatriate is amazing. Yeah, and um, yeah, I just am always just blown away by those flavors and that experience, and it's just a and sexy the vibe. place. It's so sexy. Yeah, it's- yeah. That bartender Rebecca that works there, I just like to go in and go wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cool. Anyway, yeah, I like that. Um, I just had breakfast at Trinket this morning. Mm-hmm. I love that place. I. Hope it does well because I think it's so super sweet. Um, what else? I don't know. I've been a little hunkered down. I have to say, and have not been as out there as I am usually. I haven't had my feelers out there. It
1: goes in fits and starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and you live in a cool neighborhood. There are a lot of places to go. Yeah. What's your What's your coffee place?
2: Heart. Yeah, well, right. it's been hard, it's been hard, it's been hard, and then Ristretto just opened up across from the kitchen. Oh, right. So now it's become Ristretto by, uh, well, it's great coffee, and now it's so, 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 so convenient. Mm-hmm. And I love Din and Nancy to the moon, so. They're great. Yeah, they're terrific.
1: So is Vile. I mean, it's, I it's so hard in the city, <laughs> but the cool thing is that uh, everybody understands.
2: Right. No one gets
1: pissed off. Din and Nancy won't get pissed if you go to Heart. I don't think. And, no. Uh, no it's it's really the- well
2: you're likely to see you know people of the similar business in somebody else's bus- you know like it's partly checking it out but it's also you know you people often would ask me personally like what's your favorite chocolate meaning that i made in the shop but i'd be like thinking well it's you know so and so's across town because i can't figure out how they did it you know or because it's re- new to me like I've tasted all of my things a million times, so it's so exciting to go even in your own field and taste what somebody else is doing, you know?
1: All right, last thing. Yeah. Someone comes into your shop today, what must they have?
2: Well, I think those fig and marzipan ones are on the shelf right now. They are one of my favorites when they're available. I love, love, love them. We just came out with a hazelnut bar that's um, made with woodblock chocolate. They're a local bean-to-bar so it's um, it's dark and crunchy. It's like a, it's a praline, which is like a, a nut and sugar paste mixed with that dark chocolate and sea salt. And it's, it's really good. It's kind of like Nutella, but not so sweet and a little crunchier.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. And just to be clear, you're 28th, what's the exact address over there?
2: 140 Northeast 28th. Between Cooch and Davis, over by that Laurelhurst Theater there on Burnside. And the Coke Company is across the street. Mm,
1: There's a lot over there, too. Yeah. So, many reasons to go over there. And then again, almachocolate.com. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. I love this. (laughs) Well, I love that. That was great.
0: She is such a bright, shiny personality. You know, I, I always from head to toe. She yeah. has,
1: She also loves. She's really into shoes. Yeah,
0: boots. I should have gotten a shot of her because she has shiny shoes. Yeah, too.
1: kicking my ass maybe.
0: I <laughs> know. <laughs> I just I, I love people who can just sit down and be themselves from the get go, and there's no artifice. There's no there's no shields that you have to kind of or a wall that you have to kind of break down.
1: She's very genuine. If we were to um, elect someone to represent Portland. Nationwide to re- represent us as far as the food scene goes, and a and a, a specialty chocolate maker.
0: She'd get your vote.
1: Well, she she has your vote. She she would not only have my vote. She'd have she'd beat the hell out of other cities somewhere else, and true. people would love Portland because of her.
0: True, true. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's <laughs> blanking. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, it's, as
1: long as both of us aren't blanking at the same time.
0: Uh, well, I think I mean the the interview had a little bit of everything, which is which is so cool. That's that's what we wanted, right? Was we wanted to talk business, we wanted to talk personal, we talked movies. Now I have to go. Sorry see her. for the spoiler
1: alert, alerts on her. Oh. But I, I think
0: I don't think it's spoiling it. Will have been
1: it will out a, a, a month by the time.
0: By the time here, this airs, but I don't think I—I I, I was sitting there thinking because I hadn't seen the movie. I was sitting there thinking like, "Oh God, am I gonna find something out that?" But I actually had already heard about the part that you guys were, were talking nothing. about. All
1: I got, all I had was her saying, "This blew my mind." I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know Joaquin Phoenix was there. I went to see it right after I'd seen American Hustle, mm. and I got to see Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. as a sexy sultras and then the girl next door. Can Spoiler I tell story.
0: you, if we're going to talk movies for a second, like nothing bothered me m- more or rather I liked American Hustle very much I could do without all the cleavage, quite honestly, well, because I don't think people walked around I'm with their tits gonna, hanging out I'm all day call, like that. I I, mean,
1: I'm mean, i going to I'm gonna put up the flag and say, no, I don't agree with you on that. Well,
0: I, you cannot agree. My husband didn't agree with me either, but <laughs> well, I'm sitting there going I like it was- I think you should was, be
1: very thankful that he didn't agree with you. Uh,
0: well, I think it was really <laughs> distracting and didn't really help the story. Oh, no, I loved the it. The story. I
1: loved it, but it kept me on edge, I have to say. And then her character and her, when you go see it, the complete opposite. So imagine going from one theater to the next when you see it mm-hmm. and seeing and go and then realizing, oh, she's in this movie, too. I didn't even know it.
0: Oh, so, yeah, because she's in, Amy Adams is in both. Yeah. I For a minute, I was thinking Scarlett that, Johansson. That's kind who, of what I was
1: talking about.
0: No, I know. I, <laughs> I, I went with you eventually <laughs> on that train of thought. But... Uh, Scarlett Johansson was not the original voice for the operating system.
1: Oh, I didn't know that, but I didn't. I, I liked her. I thought she was great. I thought she was too human. I would have liked to have heard a little. Anyway, a that's, little bit that's, more was, Sarah was great. She, she loved is. the movie. She's going to go back and see it again. You might find her in the theater, um, <laughs> but don't talk to her. You'll hear enough here. So, <laughs> um, so um, please subscribe to Right at the Fork. You can find us at rightatthefork.com. Heather, you know all the services.
0: iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, my favorite. Um, Aha, are we up on Aha yet?
1: Well, we hopefully we will be. I have soon.
0: to still learn about Aha, yeah, but anyway, I don't know SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. I think those are the big three, and um, we'd love feedback, you guys. Facebook, on Twitter, um, if you have guest ideas, people who. Uh, you would like to see, or not see, but hear interviewed on the show, let us know, because we are open to suggestions. We have, you know, of course, people in our network that we want to get on the show, but uh, you guys, uh, our listeners, are also going to make this show a success. So,
1: And you'll make it a success if you tell your friends, Exactly. That's important, and there are lots of easy ways to do that. Share all that good stuff. Yeah. But as far as feedback, I only want to hear the good feedback. Okay, yeah, say? only positive thing goes. That's exactly. No,
0: you can complain to me too. That's fine. Yeah, if
1: well, I, can take it. I don't want to hear it.
0: Uh, <laughs> thanks. Bye. Have a good weekend. <laughs> Bye.